right, good morning. God bless you. Good to see you. Let's stand. If you're set back down too quick, let's read the scripture and then we'll let you be seated. Mark chapter 9, I'm going to read two verses, verse 23 and 24. I want to talk to you today about the essence of true faith, the essence of true faith. One thing, I've been doing this a long time, been living this life as a believer, and then I've been pastoring believers, and uh, for almost, as a senior pastor, over, goodness, how long, almost 30 years. One thing I've seen in common is most of the time, believers tend to strive to get faith. In other words, they feel like their major problem is they don't have enough faith. If they had more faith, then, then they would be in a better position to receive answers to their prayers or see things happen in their life that they're wanting. But faith does not come from striving. Faith comes from resting. Some people, I think we've complicated the term faith and we've made it something so mystical uh, that we really don't know what it is. Faith is only as strong as what your faith is in. So if your faith is in faith, you don't have any faith. Our faith is in a person. Our faith is not in politics. It's not in a religious system. It's not in a denomination. Our faith is in a person. That makes our faith super strong because that person's Jesus. In other words, the object of your faith determines the quality of your faith. If you put your faith in a wooden statue, your faith is not going to accomplish a whole lot because you have your faith in that. But Jesus was always trying to get people that he ministered to to have faith in him, not to have faith in their Jewishness, not to have no faith because they were Gentiles, you understand, outside the commonwealth of Israel. He was always trying to pull them into faith. And so in Mark 9, just a real quick overview, there's a dad. He has a little boy that is convulsing, is being demonized, tormented. His dad comes to his disciples, to Jesus' disciples, apostles, and asks them to, to deliver the boy, to help him, to heal him. Now, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. They have spent all night there. These three apostles got to see Jesus transfigured before them. They saw his countenance, his appearance change as, as unto light. They were overwhelmed and just blown away by it. Peter, so moved by it, wanted to build three Sukkot's tabernacles there to memorialize the place. They come down from the mountain at daybreak and they're walking down the road and they see their other nine apostles being accosted by a crowd. In that crowd's that dad and that little boy. And when Jesus walks up, they're arguing with these apostles and they're they're chiding them, and, and Jesus said, what, what, what are you, what's going on? What are, you, what are you talking to them about? 
Nobody for a moment says anything. The dad looks at Jesus and says, I brought my son to your apostles that they might heal him. They didn't do it. This was just unheard of. They had done it before. What's different now? And he said to Jesus, his dad, if you can do anything, heal my son. If you can do anything. See, a lot of us put it off on God. Totally. This in verse 23, is Jesus' answer to that. He says, if you can believe. Notice how Jesus flips it. And he says, if he turned the tables of responsibility from himself to the dad. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who what? Believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears. Now you've got to see the picture. This is heartbreaking. He cries out and says with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, that's all Jesus needed, and he took that little bit. I mean, I want to tell you that, that it's not so much the mountain-moving faith that we've got to have, but it's, it's the essence of true faith is just a desire for faith. In other words, a heart that's just willing to believe and acknowledges that you haven't got it all together. But you're willing to believe. Lord, I believe. In other words, I'm believing the best I know how to believe. I'm doing my best right here. All I need is my kid here. Lord, I believe. But I realize there's probably unbelief in my heart. So I'm just asking you to help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. Jesus says, oh, faithless generation. He identified the problem. And he turned the tables from himself back to the dad. And just said, believe. Believe in what? Believe in him. Believe in the person that he's talking to. That's all God wants you to do, just to believe in him. No matter what, just believe that his goodness, his love, his character never changes. That sounds like something you want to talk about today? Be seated. There's a lot of things in the Bible sometimes that seems to bother a lot of us. Uh, can I just talk to you without having to read every little verse today? I can go faster. You, you remember the woman that Jesus called a dog in Matthew 15? Remember her? A lot of people wish that wasn't in the Bible because there's really no way you can color that up to make it look good. He literally called her a dog. And, and, some, and, and growing up all in the church, I either that, that area was either overlooked, not addressed, not preached about, or the explanation never seemed to satisfy. And, and, uh, but why did Jesus, this kind, loving, merciful Savior who cared about everybody, loves everybody, why would he call this woman a dog? This woman, remember, is the Bible says she is from Canaan. Now, it's important that you get this. Listen. I'm talking to you about the essence of true faith. There's only two people in the whole New Testament Bible that Jesus ever commended and said out of his mouth, they have great faith. Only two. Listen to me. Neither one of them were Jewish. Now, if you understand what I just said, that's off the chart mind-boggling. Jesus was sent to the Jews. He says it in Matthew 15. He was sent to the, to the tribes of Israel. 
to minister the gospel, the good news. And, and, and yet, for him to commend two people for their faith, neither one being Jews, is, 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 is mind-blowing. Now, this woman uh, has a daughter that is demonized. Uh, she's crying out. She hears Jesus is passing by. She, number one, she's, she's minus 50 because she's a woman in that culture, right? She's not even supposed to be talking to, to him. Um, Jewish woman, not even supposed to be talking to him. Yet she's crying out loud and she's saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now I realize some of you know this because I've taught you this before, but I want you to get this. She's crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And this is what Matthew 15, I'm not going to read all these verses, they're in there. Matthew 15, in that the latter part of that chapter, this is what Jesus, she's crying out, have mercy on me. She's in a desperate, desperate situation. And it says this, and he answered her not a word. He answered her not a word. In other words, he ignores her. He, he, he doesn't even acknowledge that she said anything to him. Now, that don't sound like the Jesus that we know, right? That doesn't sound like our Jesus. That's him. He doesn't, it says he, 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 he didn't say a word. Now, the disciples are getting tired of it. And, and, and they, you know, they say, you know, send this woman away. She, she's bothering us. And, and she's crying out. And Jesus finally looks at this woman. She's not going to go away. She just keeps crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. He said, it's not right for me to give the children's meat to the dogs. Now, you can't pretty that up. Why, why would he talk? Now, here's a desperate woman that just wants her kid healed. And Jesus calls her. That's the most offensive thing you could call somebody in that culture was a dog. This ain't like in our culture, what's up, dog? This ain't, this ain't that. This ain't that. This is offensive. In Jewish times, in this biblical times, Fido didn't live at the house of nobody. Nobody's walking the dog on their leash. That wasn't in the culture yet. They were despised. They were scavengers. I know it's hard for some of you to believe, you know, because that dog back at the house is part of your family now, right? I understand. And I love animals, especially with A1 and Heinz. Anyway, I'm teasing. Don't get mad. Some of you even missed that. That came so quick you missed it. It just went... <laughs> Bad preacher. Okay, here we go. Back to the message. He, he, he said it's not right for me to give children's meat to the dogs. Now, this is her response. Now, think of, this really happened. This was a real woman with a real daughter being tormented by demons. What would your response be to that? In other words, when it don't go like you want it to go. When, when you do pray and you hear nothing on the airwaves... He answered her not a word. I'm trying to get you in the story, me in the story. So she's, she brings her petition to God. He answers her not a word. There's a reason, though. But he answers her not a word. You ever prayed to God and he answered you not a word? <laughs> I'm the poster kid for that. Some people's God's like a jabber jaw. He talks all the time. Mine don't. He doesn't. 
He doesn't say much, but when he does say something, it's powerful. It's life-changing. So he answers her not a word. But then when he does answer, it's not what she wants to hear. That sound familiar? When he does answer, it's not what she wants to hear. It's not right for me to give children's meat unto the dogs. But see, she's there not to, with pride and arrogance. She's there in humility, and this is what she says, yea, Lord. She still calls him Lord, yea, Lord. In other words, that's what you, what you just said. You got me. Yea, Lord. But even the dogs, don't they get crumbs that fall from the master's table? She said, I just take a crumb. Jesus said, daughter, this is a, uh, this is a Canaanite woman. This is a Gentile woman. This woman is not in covenant yet. Because Jesus ain't died, buried, and resurrected yet. She has no right. And listen to what the, the words that she's using. Son of David, have mercy on me. What she's doing, listen to me. She's, she's how we say it, she's fronting. She's trying, listen, she's trying to use religion to get her prayer answered by Jesus. She's trying, she's not a Jew, but she's trying to pretend she's one. Son of David. Only people who cry son of David were Jewish people who were in the lineage and the line of King David. And based on that covenant that God had with King David, she was, she was evoking that covenant with David. And she was saying to Jesus, I am one of your Jewish daughters in covenant with the covenant that you made with King David. So therefore have mercy on me. God will not let you play religious games to get your prayers answered. God, if you would just heal my husband, then I, you know we would give testimony everywhere. God ain't going to heal your husband because you're going to go on the testimony circuit. That's a religious reason of trying to get a healing. God going to heal because he's already paid for it and he loves you. And because you're sick and need it. No other reason. See, but when we play all these games with God, we try to make deals with God. God, if you'll do this, I will do this. Please. We've all probably done it, though, before we knew better. Right? Some of you are learning better right now. I can see by the look on your face. You hope God don't keep up with all those vows you made to God. God, I promise you, if you'll get me out of this one right here, I will never do that again. <laughs> and what did you do? You found yourself doing that again. And yet you still breathe. Wow. God's good. Listen to me. All God was doing, Jesus, who was Emmanuel, God with us, he was trying to get this Gentile woman to realize that he loved her not because she was Jewish, but because she was his. And all he wanted was to, he, see, she had a strong, messed up belief system that he had to really pull the pin and throw the grenade in there and blow that up strong. All he wanted her was to realize, listen, woman, you're not standing on anything but my goodness, my grace. And you don't need anything but that. 
to get what you want from me. All I want you to do, woman, is have faith in me, Jesus. Not faith in a Jewish system. Not faith in, a, in the son of David. I want you to have faith in me, in my goodness, in my love, in my mercy, and in my power to make your daughter whole. I want you to put your faith in me. And stop trying to pretend you're Jewish because you're a dog. That's what the Jews called the Gentiles, dogs. That was a cultural thing. So all Gentiles, all Gentiles were dogs. Jesus wasn't just calling this woman. He was saying you're outside of the covenant. You have no right to say son of David. You are a Sinophoenician woman, the gospel says. You're a Gentile woman. You're not in covenant with Yahweh. But you don't need to be. Because Yahweh loves you. God loves you. And all you need to do is put your faith in that and stop all the religious games, girl. And once he blew that all to pieces by saying, you know, he, he called her out. I got you, girl. You a dog. You a Gentile. That's what he was saying to her. You're a, you're, you're a Gentile. What are you doing hollering son of David? Come on. I'm better than that. You don't need your son of David card to get in here. Just put faith in me. Jesus said, woman, great is thy faith. Because she finally turned her faith away from all that other and put it on a person. And I want to tell you something today. This is the big deal today. That's what God wants you to do. My faith ain't in nothing else. My faith ain't in nothing else. No other place. It's in a person. It's in a person. And that doesn't change, right? Listen to me. The other person that Jesus, the only other person that Jesus said great faith was a Gentile, a Roman soldier who had Jerusalem in, and, and Israel under Roman captive dominion, Right? He is a centurion. He is over hundreds of soldiers. But he has a servant who is sick unto death. He hears about Jesus and his power to heal. And at first it says that he sent some of the Jewish people to talk to him. Now the reason the Jews liked this dude, even though he was a Roman soldier, military, the reason they liked him is it says in your Bible it, it, it says that, that, that he had built them. This is in Luke chapter 4, excuse me, Luke chapter 7, verse 4 and 5. And it says, and when the, the, they came to him, it's talking about these Jews, they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Uh, the Jews went to Jesus on behalf of this soldier's servant who's dying. And they said, this guy deserves for you to heal his servant. Even though he's a Roman dude and he's a Gentile, he, he's deserving of you to do it. And then they tell him why, verse 5, for he loves our nation and he has built us a church. <laughs> he's built us a synagogue. And because he did those things, he loves our church, he loves our nation, and he proved it by building us a brand new synagogue and paid for it. So that guy deserves for you to do what we're asking you to do. He deserves it. Now here's another one that ain't going to get your prayers answered from God. 
Grandma deserves it. I grew up in church having grandmas come or whatever. I don't mean that. You know what I'm saying. But I would hear the prayers. Oh, God, hear, heal sister so-and-so. She's been so faithful to you. They start enumerating all her. She's taught Sunday school for third, now on 30 years. She's been a faithful member of the church. She's done this. She's done that. She's fed the poor. She's clothed the naked. Come on, healer Jesus. You don't even know who you're talking to, man. See, it's the same thing, guys. It's the exact. God's not going to heal that woman because she taught Sunday school for 30 years. You don't have to teach Sunday school for 30 years to get healed. You know, I remember when the, one of the things I started to see in, in my ministry, I saw God healing sinners. I mean, I'm talking about people who ain't even born again. And they didn't always turn around and come at church. I, when I started pastoring, I would see God heal people that were lost as a goose. Ain't born again and, and, and don't even come to church. I'm like, they, they, they ain't right. Not in my book, it ain't, but in God's book, it's just right. Because by his stripes, you were here. Do you see? So these Jews go to Jesus and they say, he deserves it. He loves us and he builds the church. Come on. He, come on. Isn't that enough payment for healing? How much we got to do to get healed around here? Are y'all getting this or are y'all just staring at me, man, like I don't know what I'm talking about? And so while this conversation is going on, then that centurion soldier who's at home with his sick servant sends two of, of his people to Jesus. Now, the Bible says Jesus is pretty close to his home. He's almost there. He sends two of his servants to, to Jesus and says to him, our master told us to tell you this. He has this message for you. And what, he, what the centurion says, sends a message to Jesus is that I am not worthy that you should even bother by coming under my roof. And I am a man under authority. I have authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to this one, come, and he comes. And to my servants, do this. And he, said, and he said, and they do it. So if you will just simply speak the word, I know my servant shall be made whole. The Bible said that Jesus marveled at this man. And he said to those around him, I have not found so such great faith, no, not in all of Israel. That's the only two people that Jesus commended and said they had great faith and neither one of them were Jewish. It was difficult for the Jewish people to have that kind of great faith because they had their faith in their religion. They had their faith in their Jewishness. Don't think it's so far-fetched and far away that today that Christians don't have their faith in their Christianity instead of their Savior. Sometimes we do it unknowingly, really, not just something overtly conscious that we're doing. Sometimes we don't realize that our faith is trying to be in faith or that our faith is in our Christianity or our heritage or 
how much Bible we've read or how long our prayers are or how much money we have given or what we have done or how good we think we have lived that we think we're deserving to be healed or my prayer to be answered or for the Lord to do what I ask him to do. And can I tell you, God loves you so much, but he will not answer you based on those false ideologies. He cannot, but listen, because if he did, he would be sanctioning that. That's why the woman that he called a dog, he answered her not a word because he cannot give credence to that because he would be sanctioning that methodology or that reason that his faith and power is released in your life. And, and he's never going to do that. The Bible says in Romans, God's given to every man the measure of faith. Paul said, the life I live, I now live by the faith of, of the Son of God. You know the faith you have in you is not deficient, it's not messed up, it's not flawed. The faith you have is not your faith in the Son of God, it's the faith of the Son of God. So God gave you his own faith. You've been gifted them all the faith you need. God didn't, doesn't, doesn't give bad faith. As long as you, the, 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 Paul said, the life that I now live, and that's the truth, the, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of. That's what it says in the original, by the faith. See, we, we change that and put our faith in. It's my faith in Jesus. No, that's not what's sustaining you, dude. It's his faith that resides in you, that he gifted. You couldn't even got saved unless he gave you the faith to be saved. He gave you the faith. And, and, and the faith that he gave you was his own faith. He gave you his faith. So don't run around and think, oh, I've got flawed faith. I've got messed up faith. My faith is it. You know, your faith is as big as your Jesus is. Because that's whose faith you got in you. Now you can wrongly turn away from that and put your faith in a wooden statue. You can put your faith in a wrong system. You can put your faith in a lot of things, but it will not avail you. And, it, and, and you can put your faith in your Jewishness. You can put your faith in your Christianity and your religion. You hear, you hear people say, all the, well, if God was ever going to do anything for, you know, heal anybody, he would have healed my grandmother. Because she was, and then they started enumerating all her great. And I'm glad grandmama has all these great, but that's not why God does stuff. You go to the funerals, they roll the casket. You know, this brother's in heaven. And then they start enumerating all the reasons that he's in heaven, none of which are that he was born again by the blood of Jesus. Totally different. All this I'm preaching to you today, I dreamed it Friday night. See how easy it is to be a preacher? You just follow your dreams. And I just have, God has ways to let me know this is what to talk about today. The Bible says in Psalms, you know, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust in him. So we have two things. You act, you make a commitment. And because you have made a commitment, it leads to trust. Let me explain it like this. You ever took cash money and it was a lot to you? In other words, it's valuable. And you walk in a bank and you walk up to the teller, and you hand them the cash. Let's say it's a couple thousand dollars. You hand them that $2,000. And they take it from you, and they put it in their drawer. And then they print you out a receipt for your deposit. 
And you don't walk out of the bank with the cash. You walk out with a little piece of paper that was printed on the machine. But you don't ever worry about that money anymore. You don't worry about his safety. You don't worry about it because you have a receipt, because you made a commitment, and that commitment leads you to trust that bank to take care of that $2,000. If we could just do that with God. If we just had as much faith in God as we do in the bank to keep what you've committed to him safe. What have you committed? In the spirit realm, in the spirit realm, how many receipts do you have? Have you committed something to God? Have you committed your children that you're worried sick about? But have you committed them to God? You, you've committed that, that prayer, that, 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 that you need. You've, you, you committed that to God. And, if you, it, and, and listen, this is the acid test now. This is not an indictment. But the real test is, see, when, when, when I have made deposits like that of cash, you know, I, I, I just trust that the bank's got it. And I don't wake up in the middle of the night sweating it or worrying about it. I don't even think about it anymore. That's how much trust I have in, in, in people I don't even know. I don't worry about it. But if you say, I committed this to God and you're still worrying about it, guess what? You didn't. You, you didn't commit it to God. It's some kind of game we're playing here. When you commit it to God, I don't say you don't ever think about it. And I'm not saying you can't ever pray about it again. But you don't make it, it don't make you sick with worry. You don't wake up sweating in the middle of the night because you hadn't committed it to God. Then you've committed it to a religious system, but you didn't commit it to God because God's big enough to handle it. God's big enough to take it. And God's big enough to change the situation. Now, I know I've told you this story before, but you remember when, when my, my kids were small and, and I was just starting out in ministry and I was evangelizing. You know what that means, you know? They don't have revivals no more in the churches, but back in those days they still did. We bought one of those little minivans. We thought it was so cool. And my, my kids were all small, and the back seat laid down completely flat like a bed. And, man, you could lay them there. We laid them, you know, three by the, side by side. And you could, we could go to revivals, and she would go to revivals, and I'd preach. And we would bring them little footy jammers with them, you know, and change them in the van and drive back home. They'd be asleep, and I'd tow them in. Did that for five, five six years. But I remember when I, we lived in a little apartment, and, uh, and I, when I brought that van home, I went in the house, and I think Justin was, how old was he? He's, I don't know, five years old or something like that. And we, and I, and, uh, we had Kristen and daughter. So anyway, I tell them, all right, y'all get out here. So we went out to the apartment uh, parking lot, and I had me a bottle of olive oil, you know, that big kind in case you need to anoint a lot of stuff. And I carried that olive oil out there, and I said, all right, y'all put your hands on this van. We fit to pray. And I literally did this. And I, and, I, and I took that olive oil, you know, glory to God, and I anointed that van. And I did me a cross on the front of it, glory to God. You know, and I'm not mocking this. I mean, I did this with full sincerity. I anointed that van. I said, Father, I commit this van to you, Lord. You keep us safe. Let your angels go before us. Let them be at the rear guard. And I was like, man, man, I covered it all around, you know. And I committed that. And, man, I, when I got through doing that, I felt good. I done slicked that thing down. Glory to God. We ain't going to have no regs. This thing ain't going to break down. We're going to go for Jesus. Hallelujah. So then, not too long after that, we go on a trip. Her parents at that time lived in El Paso, Texas. I don't know if you've dri ever driven to El Paso, but it's not close to here. 
And when you get to Texas the first time and you're going to El Paso, you think like, yay, we're in Texas. It's just as far as where you came from to cross Texas. <laughs> and so we drove it for the first time to, to, to El Paso. I've tried I-20, I've tried I-10. There just ain't no close way to get there. But they lived in El Paso. And so right before we got in El Paso, the air conditioner on the, on the, the and we were going out in July, no, no kidding. And, and while we were there, this is no kidding, El Paso Times on the front page of paper said 107 degrees. It's a dry heat. 107 is 107, baby. You can do it dry, wet, it's still hot. <laughs> on the way in, the, the, the air conditioner went out. I carried it to Rudolph Chevrolet. I remember the name. And I, because I felt like I'm out of town and I need to get it worked on by, you know, a dealer so in case I have trouble when I get back to Georgia, it'll still all that'll work together. Point is, I went there, got it worked on, got it out. Before I drove back to where parents lived, it quit again. I'm about to come unsanctified because I had just dropped four about $400 with them. I drove back in the second time because I'm out of town. I can show out here. They don't know me. So I'm asking the guy, listen here, if I drove in here and I didn't have no air conditioner and I told you to put me one in here, what would that cost? Because I wanted to know where the ceiling was. You know what I mean? And so uh, they work on it a second time. The, the grand total is $710. I, I didn't really, I'm just being honest, I didn't have $710. But I had a Visa card. This was one of the times it was really an emergency. <laughs> so I gave them that card. I charged that whole bill. And when I got back to the apartment, I was mad. You know who I was really mad at? God. I don't know if you've ever been mad at God, but I, I've, I've had problems with him a few times. I didn't like what he didn't do. Like, and so I went to in, in the room, and I'm, I'm in a bad mood, and I'm not good at hiding it. And so I, when I go back to her, where her parents live and, and her, I don't want nobody to bother me. I just need some good old alone time where I can pout in private. And I went in the bedroom, and I shut the door, and I'm ticked off. Because I didn't have an extra 710. It took me a lot of money just to get out there and try to enjoy. We had some things planned. We was going to go up into New Mexico and do some stuff. And, uh, and, man, so this right here is going to cost me. It already has cost me. So it wasn't fun. and I, Something that minor. Now, you got to give me some credit. I mean, that's been, you know, what, 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. Maybe I've grown a little bit since then in maturity. But I was showing out. I was upset. And I was sitting in that room. And I told her, I want, I want, and I was actually done running my mouth. I know you don't ever do this, but when you're in that zone, I, I was saying, well, I ain't going, I, I tell you what, you, we, ain't going up no, uh, we ain't going up there to New Mexico now. You can forget that. We, we ain't going to have the money. We ain't going to do this. I started laying, telling her all what we wasn't going to do with her family that we had planned to do that was going to cost a little bit. So she knows like that, just, you know, leave him alone. So I'm sitting in there. And then I, I finally, I was sitting on the edge of the bed, Put it to bed, and I, and I just said kind of to God, wasn't, I wasn't considering it praying. I just I don't understand this. I don't understand why this had to happen to me now. If it happened back in Georgia, then I knew guys could have worked on it a lot cheaper than this. So I, I don't understand this. I don't know why you wouldn't help me out here with this. And, 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 and now I got this $710 on that 18% Visa card. That thing's going to eat my lunch. Trying to get that deal off of me. And I don't, I don't understand. Ruining the vacation, ruining the trip. And it, it, why couldn't it happen at the house? Got to happen on this trip. That's what I don't understand right here. 
And, then the, and, and so I, once, I, once I stopped that, and I'm not proud of any of that, by the way. But once I stopped that, I'm telling you, as loud as audible, I heard God say to me, I thought you said it was my van. I promise you that's what he said. That's all he said. He didn't say anything else. He said, I thought you said it was my van. And then right instantly in my little brain, I saw the video playing of me out there, slicking it down, praying the prayer, committing it to God. Not so hot now, huh? I, and, and then it hit my mind. I'm sitting there. So I'm sitting there. And I said, you know what? It is your van. Because I committed it to you. And if it's your van, that was your air conditioner that tore up in your van. And if that's your van and that's your air conditioner tore up, that's your bill on my Visa card at Rudolph Chevrolet. That's, that was my logic. See how, see how smart I am? And I want to tell you, when I said that, I'm in there by myself. I'm not kneeling with my hands like this prayer. When I said that, I said, it is your van. A peace came over me. I came out of the bedroom. I first went to my wife. She's used to this. Oh, Jill, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the way I acted. And, and then you, I went to her parents. And I said, listen, I want to apologize to y'all for the little, you know, way I acted here last couple hours. I said, yeah, I'm supposed to represent God, Jesus, you know, and I'm preaching. And, <laughs> and uh, I should have acted better than that. I, I just ask y'all to forgive me. And we are going to go up to Cloudcroft and, and Almagorda, and we're going to do those things that we plan to do, and I'm sorry, and, and just, you know, forgive me. They said, well, don't worry about it, son, whatever, you know. And we went on and enjoyed the trip, enjoyed the trip. I didn't say anything about about it. I'm not pastoring. I'm not pastoring a church, but I did evangelize and I don't preach at times. And, and, and so we went back home. I, I work at the Amlet Service in Tifton. I go back to work. And, and this is just, we've been home just a few days. I, I don't remember, three or four days. And uh, my wife called me, and she, she said, I want to tell you something. I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> You know, what you calling me for? And she said, no, nothing's wrong. She said, a guy just came to, my back, to our back door and said he was praying this morning, and the Lord told him that there was a financial need, and he, God told him to come, and he counted five $100 bills and laid in my hand. Five $100 bills. Now, people just don't do uh, A guy came. Now, she knew the guy, uh, but a guy came, and, and he counted five $100 bills and put it in her hand. Now, you, you remember how much I told you the bill was? Y'all listening to me at Rudolph? Seven what? Seven ten? So when she told me, I said, 500. I said, he missed God. The bill was seven ten. <laughs> I said, brother, should have prayed a little bit more. <laughs> she was just, anyway, so I was so thank, I was so touched, really. But that was my fault. I'm being honest. $500. That following Sunday, I was preaching. Um, Right over here at Vickers Holiness Baptist Church in West Barron, if you know where that is. I was just preaching over there. That had to be where I was scheduled. Preached. I never mentioned anything about what I just told you the story. When I was, this one of those churches where in those days I would walk out down the center aisle with the pastor and stand at the back door and we shook everybody's hand as they left. That kind of deal. 
So I'm walking by, and a man reaches and hands the check to me and pulls me over, and he said, God told me to give that to you. He spoke to me while you was preaching today. Check for $310. God said, I'll meet you at 710 and give you 100 on top. Shut up. <laughs> and that's the truth. Give God praise because he, he, he did that. And, and before the bill ever arrived to my house from Visa, I had the money and then some waiting on it to pay it off. Never paid them one dime of interest. Guys, I've got so many stories like that where God inter, intersected in my life. Now, what would happen, Brother Dale, if you didn't go through that kind of repentance, changing your mind about, you know, a bad attitude? I don't know. I might have had to struggle with it on my own. Not because God wanted him to, but I had to have faith in a person. See how easy it is for, to go negative and go, go to that zone. And because and, and, it's not your default to just say, oh, well, I trust you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everything's going to be all right. That's not our default for most of us. It, really, come on now. Am I by myself? I, it, it's not your default. Your default has been trained by this world to be negative, to, uh, worst case scenario. You don't ever hear anybody say best case scenario hardly ever, but everybody's always worst case scenario. Well, but why about best case scenario? We don't think that way. And I have watched God show himself to be strong in my life over and over and over so that I would have trust in him. And, and $710 is such a sm small amount now. It was big to me then. And, and it's still a lot of money, but it is, I've seen God do so much bigger in so many other situations. But commit it to God. And that commitment will cause you to trust in the Lord, and he'll bring it to pass. Bring what to pass? Whatever needs to be brought to pass. If you need something to pass, like a kidney stone, he'll let it pass you. Hallelujah. Okay, glad that's over. Or if you need a prayer answered that you're praying for something that you want to see it fulfilled, come to pass, God will do that. God's always looking for you to just put trust in him. Just to believe in him. Can I tell you that God has not changed? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises are always still yes and amen. And all them little things that will try to vie, all those voices and all those things that try to vie for your attention or try to think, well, this is what you got to do and this is what. Listen, guys, none of that's true. Great faith is just putting all of your faith in that person. It don't, be, it don't have to be, Jesus over and over told us mustard seed. Just a heart willing to believe. You can be like that guy in Mark 9. Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. That, that, hey, God met him right there, and God did it. God did it. We got to believe in the power of the word like that centurion. Just speak the word, God. Well, you know what? God's already spoken the word. It's called the Bible. And you've got so many words in there that God has committed to you. Promises he's made, oaths he's made, covenant that he's made. And you can find one of them that fits your situation and you can stand on that. And Father, you said in your word that you are a present help in time of trouble. Now, Father, I stand here in this world as far as they, I'm in trouble. I need you. But I'm going to commit this to you. I'm not going to let this eat my insides out. I'm going to trust 
trust in you because I've made a commitment to you because you made a commitment to me first. You, you gave your life. See, you see what I'm saying? And you have to encourage yourself. And Lord, you have to talk to yourself. I've watched God over and over and over do it. Last thing, it just came to my mind in 2 Kings 4. We won't go there, but real quick now, I'll be done. Remember, that's a woman. She owes a lot of money. Her husband is dead. There's no welfare system. And she has two grown sons that the debtors are going to come and take them and make them slaves. Remember that story? And it's a real deal. So the prophet comes to her, and she tells him how bad off she is. Listen to me. This is what the prophet says to her. What do you got in your house? Can I say to you that whatever you need to see the miracle you want to see is already in your house? Now, I'm not talking about necessarily literally your you know, house, bedroom, kitchen, but in your house, all that that entails. It's already there. God has not shortchanged you. you. He has deposited in you everything you need to face what you're facing right now. It's in your house. Now, the enemy's blinded you where you can't see it or you have, you have marginalized it or diminished it in your thoughts is valuable. He said, what's in your house? This is, this is her response. Listen, I have nothing except I got a little bit of oil in a, in a, in a vessel. That's all God needs, just a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of faith. I just got a little bit of oil. This is what the prophet says to her. Go borrow many vessels. Borrow not a few. Now listen to me. God is limited by your faith in him. God himself, unlimited. But he is limited. The Bible says they limited the Holy One of Israel. Well, what's, how can you limit a whole, an unlimited God? By your faith in him. Now, now God, God can do what he's trying to do through this message. They encourage you. Expand your faith. Lift up your eyes. Don't look at the dirt. Look at me. Okay. Listen. But God's, God says to her through the prophet, come on, girl. Borrow many vessels. Don't borrow a few. Don't go just get two or three. Come on now. I'm bigger than that. But how many vessels did she borrow was up to her. Your faith capacity for the miraculous is up to your belief system. And God can flow as much as you borrowed. She borrowed, we don't know how many. Seems like she borrowed a lot, like he said. And the Bible says that she went in, she closed the door. This is not a big sideshow, just her and her sons. And, and Mama took the little bit, and she put faith in the one who said it, and she started pouring. And the prophet had already told her, when one gets full, set it aside. He already told her it was going to fill up. She poured full, goes to the next one. Pour, and this is, do you understand, this is a supernatural flowing miracle that's happening. And it's happening right in front of her eyes. And she pours and each vessel gets full of very valuable oil. And it says and she, when she got to the last vessel, she poured. And then it says this, and the oil stayed. In other words, the flow of the supernatural stopped. But it only stopped because they, that's, the far, that's as many vessels as she borrowed. God's unlimited. He's trying to tell you, borrow many vessels. Don't borrow a few. Believe, believe in big things. Believe in big things. And she, she done that. And then this, this is so cool. And the prophet says to her, now listen. He says, sell what you, the, the oil, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live off the rest. That's some good financial advice. Pay your debt, live off the rest. That means there's going to be some left over. You know, that's how God wants you to live. 
not just pay your debt and then try again next week to try to pay your debt and then try again the next week to pay. God don't want you to live. He wants you to pay your debt and live off. Live. Live. Live your life off the rest. Live your life off the rest of what? The rest of the money, the rest that you get by putting your faith in a Savior named Jesus. Stand to your feet. Come on, you receive it this morning. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Well, I hate the message was so discouraging for you today. Uh, <laughs> listen, you ain't going to ever come to this church, be beat up, be discouraged. And I don't have to make up nothing. The Bible's good and God's good right by himself. All I got to do is tell the real story. And then God has shown that goodness over and over in my life. He's that God. And he hadn't changed. Amen. Father, I praise you for your word. God, we don't have to rely on Christianity or systems or our Jewishness or our heritage or anything else. Our faith is in you. It's in you. The unchanging, unmovable, always loving, always merciful God named Jesus Christ. So our faith is in you. Help us to never to turn to the left nor to the right to take our eyes off of the one in whom my faith resides. I pray for these precious people. Let them leave here today encouraged and strengthened in your word and in your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you.